This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience First-hand, the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados the best place to be a cricket fan. Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of Following On County Cricketer. It's a, it's a tie-up, essentially, between TalkSport, The Cricketer, and also Steve Harmison's YouTube channel. Ball fast, talk straight. This, uh, what we're attempting is, is kind of unique. It's a radio show, a YouTube show and a podcast all rolled into one. But the subject matter is far simpler. We will be talking about county cricket and nothing else. Every Thursday, you'll be able to listen or watch as myself, John Norman, uh, talk sports cricket editor, George DeBell uh, and Nick Friend from The Cricketer and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison will be discussing all the main talking points from the week's previous county action and looking ahead to the next round of games. And we'd like you to get involved as well. So please do so either via Twitter or via YouTube. Before we get going, though, let me introduce my co-hosts. First up, Nick Friend from the County Cricketer. Oh, from the Cricketer. Um, I'll be honest with you, Nick, I'm a little bit nervous about sharing a platform with yourself with the subject of county cricket. You know, this is a 45-minute show, but I imagine you probably speak about county cricket uh, 45 minutes a day with everyone you meet. So uh, this won't be a hardship. Well, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But um, no, thanks for having me. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, George DeBell is also going to be joining us. He's from a secret location at a top London hotel. I mean, he is the scoop. So, uh, George, uh, thanks so much for uh, for squirrelling away um, a little bit of time to join us this week. It's a huge pleasure. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, let's get on with the subject matter. Every week we're going to be bringing you around 45 minutes of uh, county cricket chat. And we're going to start by looking back at week one with the top line. The top line. OK, Nick, well, 
in the days of uh, of yesteryear, we would have seen county championship cricket on the back pages of uh, of all the, the national newspapers. It, of course, does dominate the cricketer. So what would you say is the top line from week one of the county uh, championship? I think just runs, wasn't it? Runs and not many wickets and, and a fair few draws. And yeah, I guess a far cry from what we've seen the last couple of months, really. George, uh, as you'd expect after the winter England have just had, the pitches, uh, I mean, it only took one game for essentially for the pitches to be uh, under the microscope again. Do you think that was fair? I mean, just six draws from eight games, I think it was. I don't think that really tells a tale, though, does it? It's not really about the pitches, because actually I think if the weather hadn't got involved, we would have seen a lot more results. I thought the pitches were interesting, and I, I thought I saw a step in the right direction. But, you know, uh, at the start of the season, ground staffs have had a wee bit of time to prepare surfaces and that will be relevant it gets more difficult for them as the season progresses and there's just so much cricket but uh, I, I, I thought that there was a tentative step in the right direction I hope people don't uh, jump uh, in the direction of thinking the pitches have got too flat because I think we probably need a correction of course in the, in the county game and it will take quite a while uh, to get used to that OK well look let's move on from the pitches chat let's talk about some of the um some of the notable moments. Um, for me, I thought Nottinghamshire coming back, Sussex posting 375. Nottinghamshire were four down early on. And to turn that around, uh, a real captain's innings from Stephen Mullaney, 192. And to win comfortably by 10 wickets, there are a lot of people's favourites for promotion. And, and they certainly showed why that is, Nick, on week one. Yeah, I mean, that was without James Pattinson, Stuart Broad, Dane Patterson who, you know, on paper looked like the strongest attack possibly in possibly, the strongest team attack possibly in the country, let alone Division Two. I mean they are favourites for a reason. I mean, even without those three, the top four is four guys who, you know, you wouldn't say are, are too far or have been too far from from the England set up and they're playing a Sussex side to I guess a very at a very different point in their journey, aren't they? I mean a very young side without the two overseas players in Pajara and Rizwan, Stephen Finn on debut. Tom Clark making his maiden first class, first class hundred, which is obviously significant. But you know, um, you know, two seventeen-year-olds in that team, Arch Lenham and, and Dan Ibrahim, who obviously made their debuts last year and, and impressed um, mainly White Ball stuff in, in Lenham's case, but in, in Red Bull stuff as well in, in Ibrahim's case. I mean, it, it's interesting. Isn't it? I think if you ask a lot of people, you know, they would suggest that those two sides will end up at very different ends of the table come September, just with the way that Knots Knots' strength and depth is and. And with, I guess, the reliance that Sussex is going to have on on those, on that pair of overseas lads. But um, but no, I think they'll have been, I think they'd have been encouraged by what putting three seventy on the board first innings and then sticking at it. I think they're not in trouble at one stage as well, didn't they? Before before Mullaney's innings. So, um, but I guess the nature of being a very young side learning on the job is that you know that third innings becomes very important when you're hundred runs behind. And if you if you fold as they did um, for hundred seventy odds against guys like Brett Hutton, who'd been you know, doing this for years um, and perhaps have some of that experience that, that a lot of the guys in the Sussex camp don't have. I guess there is a lot of that kind of teething, isn't there? That, um, and I guess that's the challenge they're going to have over the next few years. And that, like, development's great and it's great that it's a very young core, but you don't want to... I mean, it's a nice possible way. You don't want to develop a team of losers, for want of a better word. You don't want to, you don't want to develop a team that loses every week because then you learn to lose and presumably winning becomes that bit harder so yeah that have been encouraged but you know they were encouraged at times last season as well I guess the 
the key is to turn those encouraging bits into four-day performance, isn't it? And then coming out with the result at the end of it. George, were you at Warwickshire? I take it that you were. What was the, what was the feeling up there? You know, Warwickshire were in trouble, much like Nottinghamshire were. Um, four down early, big first innings uh, from Surrey. But, you know, the experience told. What, what was it? Was a, a positive feeling around both camps, I suppose? Gareth Batty's new reign. What was the feeling there? They were uh, cold, mainly. <laughs> that, was my do- that will be my dominant memory of, of that game. Um, honestly, the, I, I have nothing but respect for the spectators who, who huddled in weather that um, a penguin <laughs> wouldn't go out in. They, they, they've obviously been lo- really looking forward to it. And, it was, uh, and, and they were treated to some old-fashioned attritional cricket. Now, I know my, my former and much-esteemed colleague and friend David Hopps uh, at Cricket I thought it was a shocking uh, pitch and wicket. Um, Hopsy, I should say, wasn't there, uh, but he, he, he was obviously watching the stream. Uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was an okay wicket. I thought it was. Um, I thought, bearing in mind the game started on April the seventh. The reason I talk about the wicket again is because it did define the game. There's no doubt about it. It defined the game. Now it, I wonder if Surrey had their chance again, whether they might play have played Jamie Overton. Uh, who was just not picked. And they had Cameron Steele, who I think has got a concussion, actually, but both leggies. So you might have had pace and leg spin in a perfect world. And I wonder if we're, we're, we're starting to play, we're starting to play, on surfaces which are going to require those sorts of skills. And if that's the case, those are skills which are relevant in test cricket. So what we might be seeing is slightly less attractive domestic product certainly not giving the same sort of immediate fun of you know a 20 wicket day which whether it's helpful or not is fun but we might start to see a county game that actually prepares people for test cricket a little bit better Uh, now I think it's worth the trade-off and and I still think that actually it's a transitional phase I'll say that again because in time we might start to develop players with those skills we might see more leggies we might see more uh, aggressive spinners, we might see more fast bowlers. Uh, uh, but what we're seeing at the moment is lots of the WW medium paces, for one, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, play on wickets that no longer suit them. Uh, and and they, they are potentially the dinosaurs just after the meteors hit. They're in trouble. If the pitches go the way I think they're going to go, and I think we are going to see a concerted effort to improve them this year. That combined with the fact that there's eight points for a draw means you're maybe not going to see the bold cricket that you want. But I don't know how much bold cricket you see at test level, really. So a- anyway, I, th- I think what we're, what we're maybe starting to see, and it's very, very little evidence so far, but, but it looked as if there's a concerted attempt to produce wickets, which are more like test cricket, with a view to helping England produce players which will do well in test cricket. So there was a lot of chat about that this week. There was no complaint about the surface from Gareth Batty, uh, Mark Robinson said it was a good surface, but he'd like a bit more pace. Uh, well, of course, we all would, but it was April, say again, it's April the 7th. April the 7th. It's not very long ago since when I started watching cricket. It was starting on May the 7th. Yeah? So you're, uh, you, you can't expect ground staff to be able to bake in pace when there are snowstorms around. So I thought it was a good wicket in the circumstances, and um, I think we have to understand the bigger picture of what's happening in English, English cricket. And there needs to be a correction. I think to caveat that with what George said actually at the start as well is that it's very easy to jump to conclusions and say that we're going to have you know guys smashing Mark Rambukash's records and scoring two thousand runs. Like 
there was a race, you know, it's funny, in all the narrative around, you know, batting games cricket and, and start of the season especially, you know, people forget that we had a race to a thousand runs before the end of May last year. You know, we had David Bedding averaging 140 through three games. We had Mason Crane and Matt Parkinson playing more in April and May than they had done ever in their life beforehand. You know, there were 620 overs of spin bowled last week. Like, this isn't a new phenomenon, you know, of big runs at the start of the season. I think there's a stat going around that that shows that it's, you know, frankly, the difference between batting in April and the difference, you know, from June, from July is, is actually pretty negligible. I mean, I think the big difference, as George alluded to there, and I'm sure Harmy could testify to as well, and played, played, played in Durham all his life, is it's, it's freezing. But actually, in terms of, you know, the output of, of the batters, I mean, yeah, but, you know, the number of runs, you know, there were 20 centuries last week, you know, Matt Critchley... Matt Critchley scored a load of runs last year in April and he scored a load of runs at the start of April this year. Like, I, it's not a new thing. And I think we... Well, I completely agree with what George said there about the, the general direction. As he also said at the start, I think that's almost the more important point, which is that it's when there's too much cricket played. You know, Trent Bridge last year had a test, 400 double-headers, a blast game, the Royal London Cup final, and a championship game in the space of a month. And the test really is... You know, can you produce a good deck that allows batsmanship? You know, when you've got that amount of cricket being played on your surfaces and you've got that little time to to prepare a wicket. You know, certainly at Lords, Middlesex hadn't scored 400 Lords for four years until last week. There were more. There were five scores of 80 in the match. There were six scores of 80 there all of last season. So, the, the proof I think could be further down the line than than this week, which is always a pretty good one for batting. If that's fair. Uh, yeah, I was going to jump in. Um, a couple of things. Firstly, I think the ground. Yeah, the ground staffs have got together and they have had a conversation and they are trying to uh, increase the quality. That's perhaps the right, wrong word, but they are trying to do what's been asked of them. They really are. I don't think they were the problem necessarily anyway. I think quite often you've seen county coaches make demands of ground staffs which are actually unreasonable. Uh, the other thing was, yeah, uh, just to, to back up what Nick said, have a look at uh, the... Edgbaston hosted schedule for July just just briefly off the top of my head I think they host a test against India big test yeah then they host an t- international T20 against India what, three days later maybe then they host T20 finals day we're not in the middle of the month yet then they've got a championship game and then they've got say eight or so before the end of July Commonwealth Games matches now just about every one of those games is going to want to be played in the middle of the square apart from maybe the championship game which is why the championship surfaces are often relegated in importance. Because it's the only one of those games that's not going to be broadcast on TV across the world. So we are asking our ground staffs to do a lot, and we're criticising them a lot, and I'm afraid, I think they're the messengers. That, that was the point. But basically it's the same thing that Nick said. We're asking too much of these people, and uh, we have to be a bit reasonable, and we have to start to prioritise them. Uh, but anyway, a, a cautious step, I think, in the right direction in these last few days. I welcome it. I think what's also happened in the past as well is that with the result pitch and the demands from coach, I think ultimately it's, you know, it's a competition. And once, if you, if you start sensing that, you know, one team is, you know, let's take Somerset the last few years, you know, where they were playing on those big spinning pitches. If you're up there with Somerset, you know, going for the title and you know that Somerset are going to get a result when they play at home, you know, you're almost compelled to follow suit, aren't you? Because you've, you know, even, and even if you back yourselves to win on a on a good day, you know, you or on a, on a you know fair pitch. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, if you're going for a title and you've got to sort of you know cling on to the coattails of the teams around you. If teams are winning in two days, three days, you know, whether it's you know whoever it is, whatever whatever the services, you're 
you almost, from a competitive standpoint, are pushed into that same corner, aren't you? So teams, as much as anything else, making a conscious push towards, you know, towards that middle ground is perhaps where we need to go, rather than pointing fingers at the guys who, are, you know, on the on the mowers. Well, look. Um... If you want nuance and intelligent debate and insight, then I think the last 10 minutes has just probably brought more to the table than in this subject than I've read for a long, long time outside of Cricketer, of course, and uh, and listened to on, on uh, Harmy's uh, show with Neil Manthorpe. Um, look, we talked about the top line. Let's uh, have a look at some more of the individual moments that took place in week one of the county championship. Moments of the week. Okay, guys, well, look, I WhatsApped you at the start of the week for uh, some of your moments uh, from week one, and there were plenty, weren't there? We've already mentioned Knott's coming back from 52 for four in first innings uh, to go on to win by 10 wickets. Uh, there was Dominic Sibley's first baller, you know, after all the talk about his remodelled action. I mean, these things happened, of course, but it was certainly a dramatic end to day two at Edgbaston, despite the cold. Uh, there was Ryan Higgins with a century in seven wickets. Um, and then a drop catch in the last over. There was uh, Andrew Salter, who's an opening bat, but managed to take seven for 65. Uh, Shan Massoud, you know, you know, Derbyshire, not their rear guard action against Middlesex at Lords. I mean, there was so many individual moments uh, within the week. Uh, what about some of the others that I've missed, uh, Nick? What about yourself? What really stood out? Well, I was at Lords and enjoyed watching Shan Massoud bat twice. I can't. I almost can't believe he left without a hundred. Um, he will score a lot of runs, I think. Um, he just—I think he's worked out batting in England, and he's very close with Mickey Arthur. And, and I, actually, that was one of my things. I, I just really enjoyed watching Darbs run Mickey Arthur and watching Mickey Arthur as much. I mean, that seems to be the amount of time that we've spent just watching Mickey Arthur. We sort of, and, you know, impassioned on the balconies and international cricket it was in quite his shorts. in his shorts See, he wasn't in shorts at Laws it would be a brave man to do that in the start of April but um, but it was enjoyable just watching I think the early impact he's had the calming influence of Shah Massoud you know I thought Middlesex bowled very well in both innings and actually you know second innings Massoud brought up his 50 when Derby was 60 for no loss you know he basically went along at a runner ball and in both innings you know, he, you almost couldn't believe it when he ran down at Josh Decker's off spin and was and was stumped in the first in the first innings, but I mean, he seemed set for a very a pretty big hundred, really. I mean he but yeah, the impact of those two, Saranga Lakmal, who averages about two hundred overs a year, I think, in across his career, bowled 40, <laughs> 40 odd overs in this game alone. So he's got he's got his work cut out post post May. But um but no, I yeah, I um I was really interested, you know, just his I guess that sort of innate positivity that he brings around with him was I think it's Sean. I mean, I think there's a sense that it was that was a game that Middlesex might have lost last year. They lost a few games where they were defending big scores in the final day and managed to th- managed to to lose the sort of record chases. And and but equally, it was a game that Derby would probably have lost last year as well. So two teams under new coaches, John Richard Johnson and Middlesex, um, I thought would both have been very encouraged. Middlesex especially actually because of the way that that Lords played last year and how few runs there were. There were two hundreds all year at Lords last season in the championship, and there was one on the first day this time this time round. There were five guys who. Five guys who reached eighty as well, or who reached at least eighty in the game. But um, so that I think is definitely a, a good step for them, and I think it brought the best out of um, Tom Helm as well. Who, if he's fit and he bowls like he did last week all season, he won't be far off from conversations. And he's been with England Lions. He was with England in the white ball stuff over recent winters. Um, he's he's tall. He's quick. He bowls away swingers. He's not just looking to hit the stumps. So I thought there was a lot to be encouraged by both teams. And actually, just 
for Div 2, I thought as a whole, it was a very, very good game of cricket. You know, if you look at the scorecard, it looked like quite a mundane draw, but but there, you did genuinely feel like there were three results possible going into that final day and probably going to the final two sessions as well. So, no, I thought that was just a very good game of cricket and that was, yeah, I think my main takeaway from being there for three days, the other, the other one, I meant, the other one I, that you touched on was Ryan Higgins' knock and that game as a whole, um, you know, James, James Brace's ton was, I watched that on the stream actually from Lords and of all, I reckon of all the hundreds we saw last week, probably came in the toughest conditions, put in, going on and off for rain on that first day, you know, on the back of what he went through last summer, worth remembering at the end of the year with a with a Lions ton against England Day. I mean, I think people have very short memories and people are very quick to write guy write twenty three year olds off, often the first time they've ever seen them play cricket um, when they make their Test debut. But um, so I have to say I've got you know I was, I was very I was really pleased from in Australia and it's nice to see him start the year in Div One in that fashion. So I think he's a guy who, given the right opportunity in the right position, will will come again and 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 likewise with Ryan Higgins who who's in almost that that sort of difficult spot of being a very good medium pace all-rounder in this country, which I guess places you at the top end of the county cricketers, but possibly doesn't get you an England berth. But if he can score a thousand runs, three years in a row, and you know, two years in a row in Div 1 and take his wickets, you know, why can't you be Paul Collingwood? You know, no one talked about Collie's medium pace when he was averaging 40 in test cricket, did he? So, yeah, and that was some knock as well, 140. He's one of the best county cricketers in the country, isn't he? So, and he has been for a few years now. And Middlesex probably can't believe that they let him go. And what about you, Harmy? What uh, what moments really stood out from week one of the county championship? Yeah, the interesting one was Nico's Nico Paul Nixon. Not you know, might, Leicester managed to save the the draw. Um, mm. Had 104 off 280 balls to you know, nine down. Carries back from you know, when you're thinking Worcester again. Pollock. It's a good move for young Pollock. Ed Pollock moved from Warwickshire. Not standing still, thinking right. Two three years at a big county. I'll get me chance eventually. He's grabbed his own career, which I think a lot of young, good young players can, can take note from that. If you're not getting a game, you know, if you're in charge of your own career, go and find a place to play and, and forge your, a career that way. Pollock goes down to, to Worcester and gets 100 there. Libby, the run machine from the start of last season, he got runs as well. But Leicester, not getting beat first game of the season because of you know, rear guard action by the, one of their opening batsmen. That stood out for me. Like Nick mentioned before, you know, the, the the games at you know, the game at Lords Durham, you know the weather beat them a little bit. Glamorgan they had a chance for you know, four wickets down, eighty runs. Glamorgan eighty runs behind, and a, a great partnership by Young Carlson, another one we talked a lot about. Me and Manners talked a lot about at the start of last season, along with Matt Critchley, Ryan Higgins. They got that got runs. Him and uh, and Cook, you know, ninety-two run partnership. To save basically save the game for for Glamorgan because that would have been a an innings victory if uh, for, for Durham, which was which was good. Somerset don't look in a great place. Back end of last season they didn't look great, and um, and this season they've, they haven't started haven't started off very well. Hampshire look as though they're strong, but I agree with, with what Nick was saying there about Young Bracey. You know, don't judge him on on what he had for England. I thought Gloucester starred brilliantly last year until James great till James Bracey got picked for England and when he got picked for England when he came back to Gloucester Gloucester's sort of his struggles and Gloucester's struggles went went a little bit hand in hand and I mentioned yesterday two days ago on the Cricket Collective about Ryan Higgins and I was wrong by saying it and I am wrong by saying it is he good enough fourth seamer probably not is he a good enough number six possibly so 
Um, the one thing I will say, during my, my sort of career, Mark Elam got better when he went into international cricket from a, a sort of fourth team, a 78, 77, 78, skiddy mile, trajectory mile an hour bowler um, and a lower order batsman. And you never know when somebody goes into international cricket, if they get the chance, it might just make the best of them. So I don't, I'm not ruling Ryan Higgins out just yet of being that some that very, very good for first class cricket, not quite good enough for test match cricket. Uh, and what about you, George? Uh, apart from Rory Burns uh, trundling in to bowl a couple of uh, a couple of overs uh, at Edgbaston, have we left you anything else in terms of uh, moments uh, from week one of the county championship to reflect upon? Uh, Oliver Hannon Dolby's innings was ridiculous. Um, I, I think I think he set a new record. I mean, he he got off the mark uh, in, in the ninety fourth minute of his innings. I mean, it was. Uh, the, the the Dom Sibley innings was really interesting. Do, should we talk about Dom Sibley? Okay, so Dom Sibley has made lots of interesting decisions. He he decided not to go on the Lions tour to stay at home and work on his technique. He to, hasn't signed a contract offer at Warwickshire, so he's out of contract at the end of the season. He wants to play. He wants to play T Twenty cricket, which which is an absolutely fine aim but you you wonder how he's going to get into that side now they've signed Alex Davis and what have you and he looks terrific in pre-season and in the nets much more conventional little open front foot but basically almost conventional and first ball he he pokes at one it, it, it swung a wee bit it, it did swing a wee bit and if you swing the ball you know you and put it in decent areas but basically I, I don't know whether he was nervous whether he was trying to be assertive he knows this is a huge few week, few weeks for him and his career, and he's out first ball. Um, and you know all that work and all that sacrifice comes to nothing. And I guess he just, yeah, I guess he'll get more opportunities. But this feels like a huge six weeks or so in his career. I think there's every chance he could get back in the England side. He's been working with Neil Stewart, by the way. He's gone back to working with his boyhood Surrey coach. The, Neil Stewart has worked a lot with um, Rory Burns, for example. Well, a whole generation of Surrey talent. Alex Brother, for those who, who don't know, very um, excellent reputation as a batting coach. And it's interesting that, of course, Dom Sibley, as a former Surrey player, has been he's out of contract and is working with a Surrey coach. You know, you, <laughs> I don't think anything's sorted on that regard, but you wouldn't have to be a soothsayer to, to suggest, you know. <laughs> He might be a Surrey player again soon. But I think, actually, uh, his story is yet to be written. It feels like a crossroads moment. Because right now, he's desperately trying to get back into the England side. There is a vacancy. He might well be one of the best people, best qualified people for the job. And he looks like he can bat again. <laughs> but I say that on the basis of a first baller. But in the nets and in pre-season, he, he looks like he's playing really well. Uh, and it would be desperately disappointing for him. But, uh, yeah, really interesting. And then, meanwhile... Um, Oliver Hammond Dolby 94 balls and, and Michael Burgess will be grateful for him forever I think when he came in to bat so Ollie Hammond Dolby came in 11 I think Burgess was on 69 he finishes 170 something um, not the best innings you'll ever see it was, it was terrific and all but he, he was playing you know he smashed Ryan Patel and Rory Burns and people like this um, Will Jacks it, it wasn't the most intense cricket you'll ever see. By, by you know, had Alistair Cook come on to bowl, it might have raised the standard. But 
he, he did it and, uh, and and there have been lots of tough cricket to get to the stage where he faced some rubbish bowling so he deserves he deserves a lot of credit for it but those are the things I'll probably remember from that game Sibley to be honest and um, and Oliver Hammond Dolby Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, I'm glad that you mentioned Dominic Sibley because the next section of the show is England Player Watch. England Player Watch. OK, let me rattle through some of the uh, scores by uh, some of the players that you imagine uh, will be fancying. Uh, well, they, they need to get in the selectors' minds, whoever the selectors are these days. Um, you just mentioned Dominic Sibley. Uh, well, he was out for a duck first ball, but uh, Rory Burns... His former England opener, uh, a little better, 41, although I'm sure Steve Hutmanson made note that he was at the ball before lunch, which does seem to be a continual problem for uh, for Rory Burns. Uh, 22 in second innings, uh, both uh, that was a not-outer. Ollie Pope again, 58. OK, good score, but frustration um, as he departed. Ben Folks was dropped a couple of times, but did what he needed to do. 132 not out, all those three against Warwickshire. Alex Lease. Of course, 182 not out at the top of the order uh, for Durham against Glamorgan. All of those or both of those matches were drawn. Uh, Dan Lawrence only scored seven against Essex. Um, and, and in fairness, a lot of old, other players in contention didn't play. But I'm sure, um, Nick, you might uh, have been keeping your eye on another couple of players who, uh, who also fancy their chances if they put a strong run together. Um, over the next six weeks, so they might be mentioned in dispatches as well. I mean, yeah, I was hoping Sam Robson would play, but he's he's got a thumb injury. Um, I just thought Robson was, and Adam Lyth obviously starts his season uh, this week. I think Lyth was pretty close to getting back in last year, wasn't he? When before before Hamid came in, um, as George said, there's obviously there's obviously you know at least a spot at the top of the order. I hope Alex Lees is did. I hope Alex Lees did enough in in the Caribbean to 
to give himself a bit more of a shot. I mean, there's no point in, you know, you've got to give guys a go, haven't you? Like before you, you know, and a go is not three games in the same way that in James Brace's case, a go is not two games. And it is a bit of a go, Nick. It is a go, though, isn't it? Three games on the flattest wickets he'll ever play on. It is a go. I I don't disagree with your conclusion, but it is a go. No? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, but I think if you go back to, if you go back to, yeah, you know, yeah no, I, 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 I mean, it's, it is a go, but I think if you go back to 2014, 2015, you know, when England picked Adam Lythe for, for a few games, Sam Robson for seven games, like, I've always, I've always found it very odd that, that the guys who England went to fairly soon after Strauss were given, you know, who were therefore at, you know, towards the top of whatever the pecking order was then, were given a very brief go you know, as back then, the generally accepted best guys for the job and have never been seen again. You know, Sam Robson scored a thousand runs at Laws last season. You know, that is millions. You know, he got one or two tons at Laws. Got one, of, got one of the two tons at Laws all last season. That was against Somerset, which was a Craig Overson, Jack Leach, Josh Davey, Marshall Delanger, Lewis Gregory attack. So once one, you know, one of the better attacks in the country. I mean, got two, got a double ton, double ton at Hove. Um, you know, he's, he's never really had a shocking year since he came out of the England set up. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'd also think, you know, so look, if you look at someone like Alex Lees at 28 years old, you know, having moved on from one county to sort of rediscover his game, I mean, guys like that, guys like Robson, guys like Lythe, you know, I would have thought with that age bracket, perhaps the guys that England should be looking at rather than, I think Joe Weatherly spoke to spoke to Sam Morse at the cricket a couple of days ago and said that, you know, for a young batter, open the, you know, for a young player, open the batting in, in, in England is the, the toughest thing you can do. You almost need to have those hits and those knocks and those those struggles before you fully work it out, don't you? I think I think a lot of guys have said when they've been dropped from that England top six that that and I'm obviously gonna say this, but they would feel better going back in, you know, going back into the fold knowing knowing then what it what it takes. And I think you know, I think it's very easy to look at look for the next thing, you know, look for the next cab off the rank, whether it's Jack Haynes at Worcester, whether it's Tom Clark getting his first hundred for Sussex and all that kind of thing. When actually I think that I think the right answer is is often staring right you know has often been staring at you for quite a while. And it's just, you know, Adam Lyle got a very good 100 against New Zealand, you know, years ago, but was binned after a poor Ashes series. You know, has never been seen again. Got a th- got 1,100 runs the year after he was dropped, but, you know, but that was that. Sam Robson, as I say, has never really failed, never really had a shocking year since he was dropped. But, you know, but he's never been back in the conversation despite his runs last year, despite England taking pretty untried openers, you know, on the back of one, you know, really one, one and a half good years and sort of, you know, as young as young players to Australia on that Lions tour. You know, people were talking about Tom Haynes last year. I think you'd like Tom Haynes to do it for another year, wouldn't you? You know, he had he'd never averaged above thirty up before last season. So, I think I think if England want to find the right answer, they've got to be giving goes to the guys who are perhaps you know who perhaps at that point in time got the best chance of succeeding. Whereas, you know, if you go to Bracey or to you know, let's say Rob Yates to be given a go mid Ashes series, he's had one year. You've got to give guys the chance to learn how to fail almost you, if guys are failing for the first time in international cricket you know sorry if guys are failing for the first time in their career in international cricket you are you're doing it in front of so much more scrutiny than you've ever faced before you know you, how do you how do you deal with that how do you come back for it like so for, for someone like Alex Lees who has struggled at Yorkshire has come back at Durham has done it like he's so much better equipped to cope with international cricket I'd have thought than than lobbing guys in for the first time and hoping for the best if you know what I mean Harmy, do you think it is easier to make the transition, or it was easier to make the transition to international cricket fifteen years ago than it is now? Uh, yeah, because we had better players. I think we had a better players, and we had we had a more sounder sort of structured group. We had less 
um, where we didn't have social media. We didn't have the players on the outside who were better than the players on the inside, what was perceived to be. My thing on the younger players is we are very quick to judge. We are very quick to pick young players who have got technical deficiencies, who are going to go on a roller coaster of emotions throughout their career. And we are quickly to, we're quickly to discard them, i.e. Sam Robson. Um, we are quickly to discard quite a lot, especially at the top of the order. Um, but we never seem to want to bring them back. And that's where the Dom Sibley bit comes into it. If Sibley's got technical problems. If he's fixed them technical problems, mindset-wise, he's got the game for international cricket. Yeah, I look at Alex Lees. Because he's 28, I think you have to give him a little bit longer of a chance because he isn't coming back. But that's also been my bugbear. We, we pick 23-year-olds. If they uh, single swim, we don't, we're not going to get an Alistair Cook out of nowhere. Not, we're not going to be that lucky again. Or a Joe Root. We've got to give these guys, some of these guys, a chance to to to, to have a a mindset of international cricket, an understanding of what it's like. And I actually think this these seven games, a lot of our players should have been playing in these seven games to rediscover their own movements, their own technical problems, and try and get some runs on the board. Some of the you could have you could have issues with your game. But if you go and get back-to-back hundreds in a first-class match against opposition, well, lesser than you've just been playing, i.e. in the Caribbean or in Australia, then you're going to come back and feel a hell of a lot better when the, 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 on 2nd of June when the summer starts. So I think Alex Lees, for me, gets an extended go. He gets the, well, a majority of the summer. Because I, I, I looked at Lees in, in the West Indies and I thought he looked quite nervous. I thought technically there's... There was an issue of, of falling over. But he showed in that last test match in Grenada the value of, of his wicket. The ball that went along the floor, I felt sorry for him because while everybody was giving their wicket away and everybody was you know, flashing out, he had some value to his wicket. So for me, I, I give I give Leeds an extended, extended run. I agree with Nick about Sam Robson. If he comes back and he's better technically than he was before, because you've got to remember when you talk about what was it? What was the transition like? The transition like is about the bowler, and the bowler in first-class cricket is nowhere near as good as the bowler in Test match cricket. That's that's in a, that's a given. But he will put you under a hell of a, a lot of pressure. And the problem I've got with international cricket at the minute, from <clears throat> well across the world, majority of sides, is they don't deal with pressure that well. Players don't deal with pressure now that well, which is crazy in the world of T20, where you know, the, the pressurised situation, 10, 12, 14 and over. But in Test Match cricket, it just seems as though you put, as a, as a bowler, you put four or five good overs together. Johnny Bairstow, I'll give it away. You know, players will give their wicket away. So for me, Alex Lees for me stays in, in that side. I think it's a big six weeks for Ben Folks because there was a lot of clamour for Ben Folks to come back into that into that side. Did he do himself justice? Both gloves and and, and and bat, I'm not so sure, but it's a great start for him, 130, because the likes of, I'd like Bracey, I don't think Bracey should be discarded. I thought it was a very, very tough thing for him to do when he came into that side. So I just think we are very, very quickly in this country to pick young players, but then think, right, he's not good enough and never pick him again. And that is what our problem is. OK, I think that's a subject that's going to uh, continue. 
which is good because we've uh, we, we're going to be back next week. But let's look now at what we think is going to be the game of round two of the county championship. Match of the week. So uh, what what awaits us? Eh? I mean, at the start of every test series, it's always about the questions that are going to be answered, and the same thing. For the county championship, I mean, Somerset versus Essex is one of... We could have picked, I reckon, three different games as our game of the uh, of the week. Uh, we've gone for Somerset versus Essex. Um, how do you rate Essex title credentials? I think you've tipped Hampshire to win uh, the uh, Division 1 of the county championship the, this year. How, what have Hampshire got that uh, that maybe Essex don't? Hampshire were a ball away from winning it last year when, they went, when Crane had two balls at Parkinson. And... Effectively, they finished one delivery short and they've added Ben Brown, who keeps wicket and averages 45. And I think he's one of those guys who are getting back with age. And to be honest, Hampshire probably couldn't believe their luck when you know the chance to bring him in was was available. And as well as that, they've got Kyle Abbott and Mohamed Abbas and Keith Barker and James Vince. And they've got a lot of very good cricketers, I think, haven't they? Um, a pretty I don't say settled top order, but Ian Holland's done a decent job there for, for a bit of time. Joe Weatherly, that was his first 100 for four years, I think. And you'd like to think someone like him as a, say, one of the young lads who's had probably the toughest job in the game for the last few years. You know, you'd like to think and like to hope that that can push him onto something. Um, likewise, I'd like to hope that Mason Crane plays. You know, is played. You know, plays pretty regularly. Obviously, they've got Liam Dawson as well. That means they don't have to pick a pick a leggy. But it does. I think having a spinner in the top six does also give you that chance to to pick a leggy um, and be really attacking. And I think, given the strength of their top six, it must be pretty tempting to. You know, to, to to field a really attacking spin as well, because they, I think, I think it's just hard to look at them and see a real weakness. I mean, they brought, I think James Fuller played that first game because he adds a bit extra pace. They've got Brad Wheel as well. He was sort of eighteen the twos yesterday actually, but he, you know, I think we saw a lot last summer. He's a very, you know, you know, very good bowler. I just think they've got better than last year, and last year they're only a ball away from winning it. So, yeah, <laughs> I can't fault the logic. Harmy, do you agree? Do you, uh, Hampshire, your uh, your tip for the the championship or? Do you fancy Surrey if they've got uh, the return? If they've got Popal season, they've got Burns all season, they've got, you know, they've got quite a few players coming back into the fold. Where do you see yeah, it going? Sorry for me. I think I, I look at the Hampshire side and I like to I like sides who have got experience because of what first class cricket is in this country. The the emotion of you know, playing a lot in consecutive days or in in short space of time. I think you've got level characters there. You've got some level heads there at Hampshire. I think they've got a lot of bases covered. But I think 1-11, to if you put Hampshire's best team out and you put Surrey's best team out, I think Surrey comes out on top. But the DM's not played on paper. And the as the test summer goes on, or as the summer goes on, where, where is the, the, the sort of mindset of the likes of Rory Burns if he doesn't get back in? Where's the mindset of Ollie Pope if he's not playing for England? Does he grasp the the thing by the you know the scruff of the neck and say, right, I'm going to put hundred on the board, double hundred on the board. I'm going to show the England selectors while England are potentially forty for four against New Zealand in the first Test match. Pope smashes hundreds. Yeah, these are the things that if Surrey players can get that right, then I think Surrey have got a, a better one to eleven than than Hampshire. But I think. Hampshire consistency consistency might be a might be a better thing for them against a side who you're just never sure of of, of from a mindset point of view. So it's a big big job that uh, for Bats to get that right. And if he gets that right, I think Surrey win it because they've got I think they've got one to eleven a better side than what 
than what Hampshire got. I'm intrigued this week to see how Yorkshire go, though. Having been in that dressing room, and I know, you know, George, you've you've wrote a lot about about Yorkshire, but it's about now. It's about the time for playing now, and hopefully, the Yorkshire players can can move away from the you know the, the off field stuff, which is going to continue, but you know, get on with their their primary jobs, which is to play cricket. Uh, well, let's uh, let's have a little look at the other games then, because we've actually mentioned Surrey against Hampshire uh, in passing, but we do have. Another five games to cast our eye over in our County Roundup. County Roundup. Well, look, we just made mention of Yorkshire and I think it's uh, it's fitting that we start there. Gloucestershire uh, against Yorkshire. It will, of course, be the first match that Yorkshire have played um, since uh, the Azim Rafiq story really took centre stage and, and has dominated uh, proceedings as it should have done. A long, long time ago, in fairness. Uh, George, of course, has been at the forefront of that happening. And Harmy has been at the forefront of uh, trying to get the club back on kilter in a playing sense. So, you know, two guys really couldn't say there's nobody better suited to talk about to talk about the county. I mean, look, Harmy, you know Goffey better than most. We both know him very well. They needed a knight uh, to come in and, and help them. Uh, he's, uh, he's answered the call. And um, and we know on a personal level just how much he's invested in that. And I do wonder whether the scale of the task was quite evident at the moment he said yes to it. But he's 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 gone in and he's he, he has essentially approached it with his wholehearted uh, efforts that we we used to see as a player and we saw as a broadcaster as well. And just got to hope it works for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd hope it works. I think it will work for him because Darren will make it work and he'll get people to help him to make it work. Um, having never been interested in coaching anybody of ages 11 and above um, and even struggle with any kids under 11 that I had no interest in coaching and he convinced me that it would be a, a good thing to, to go and help him which I couldn't believe when he took the job on I really couldn't I was like Darren what are you doing and he was like no no they need me they need me yeah, Yorkshire needs me the, yeah, the club needs me and it was like really? you really want to go and do this after what you've just given you know your talk sport career and everything that you've you've convinced people for 12 years now you know something about football and you're going to give all that up to go in and do this after where the club's at I I was and I'll be honest I was like are you mad and he was like no no they need me I'm a Yorkshireman it's part of me I've got to go and do it um, and then he said will you come and help us because I've got no coaches at the minute so that was an interesting conversation <laughs> And for the best part of 10 weeks, I loved being in that environment because, like George said before, you know, these players are guilt by association. No matter where, you know, whatever has been thrown, they are guilt by association. And the, prop, the, 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 the quickest we could get to the, the thing I was messaging was the quickest we can get to the, the sort of the first week in April where the season starts will be where things start to progress for you as an individual, as a team, because you can have a right to reply from a cricketing point of view and let other stuff worry about that. You're desperate to get to the cricket point of view, and that's where we're at now. And fingers crossed, from from that point of view, they can start positively. Um, and whatever comes off the field stuff, that's up for you know, Darren and Lord Patel to, to sort of to take in their stride like they have done because I think they have done it brilliantly I really do I think they've 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 not shirked any questions they've not shirked any responsibilities they've stood up and 
the other being fair and they've been honest. And yeah, they might still have bumps in the road. But when it comes to the cricket side of it, I think Goffey's got the right team in place. I think Otis Gibson is a, an amazing appointment. The, the likes of Adam Lythe, Stephen Patterson, and one or two other senior players have to stand up in these over the course of this next month to get Yorkshire off to a good start. And if they do do so, they'll get the, the faithful of Henley behind them and, and fingers crossed they do. OK, so that's Gloucestershire against Yorkshire. We've made mention of Surrey against Hampshire. Um, let's cross over to the Pennines, not that they're playing there. Lancashire's first game of the season. Uh, Jimmy Anderson won't be playing. Um, and they're coming up against uh, Kent, who uh, who batted well, actually, in first uh, uh, in, in first uh, outing. Nick, run your eye over Kent versus Lancashire. And while you're at it, give us your thoughts about Knotts versus Glamorgan as well. Well, Kent got a lot of runs against Essex and obviously without Zach Crawley as well I think obviously Ben Compton got his first county championship ton interesting to see how they assuming Crawley comes back in it'll be interesting to see how they sort of work out their their top six with Jordan Cox also also getting 100 um, but obviously Lanks I actually think Lanks have got a very good chance to win the title as well um, they're good they're well rounded they've got a very good leg spinner who I guess after another I guess I don't want to say don't call it a pointless winter but another winter watching everyone else play cricket I'm sure Matt Parkinson just can't wait to get out there and do what he did last year, which was take a load of wickets early season and, you know, have a very good year, you know, all told with the Red Bull. Um, and they've got Hassan Ali for the start of the season. Obviously, Jimmy, Jimmy's, Jimmy's not playing that for this first game, is he? But, um, but you know, they'll probably see a fair bit of him in these in these first few weeks as well. And if it, I mean, if the, you know, even if the decks are pretty good for batting, I'm sure he'll find, <laughs> I'm sure he'll find something on I think it was against Kent last year that Jimmy took... Was it seven for twenty? Is that he got his brought, took his thousandth wicket against them? I think so. I think it'll be a good game. Kent will be Kent are interesting, aren't they? Because obviously they had a very good year in twenty nineteen, which is what we're you know, which is what Div One is based on, and then didn't have a great time. They ended up winning Div Three last year, so it's sort of interesting to see where they are and I guess how they fare this year. I think they've got a good bunch of uh, they've got a good bunch of of, of seamers as well, with sort of led by Matt Mills and Darren Stevens and. Um, I think Harry Podmore's been playing there too. So they've got they've got a fair few options there as well, um, and with obviously Sam Billings to come back at some point from from the IPL. Um, as for the other game you mentioned, I can't remember what you said. Was it Notts Glamorgan? Notts Glamorgan, yeah. I think Notts. I, I don't think there's anyone who doesn't think Notts will get promoted from just with the side, just with the resource they've got. But Marnus has arrived, isn't he, for Glamorgan? And I think we touched on Kieran Carson earlier. He had a very good. He's he's an interesting one, isn't he? Still very young. I think he's. The, I think he was at one point the youngest player in certainly the country to hold both a first class five and a first class hundred. He's hardly bowled since, but um, he. he I mean, he was man of the match. In, I think he was man of the match in the Royal London final last year. He's a good player. He's taken a lot of responsibility as a twenty as a, as a young guy there in, in that competition. And there's a lot of hope. I think that he'll be. You know that he will really turn that into sort of consistent Red Bull runs. I think I'm right in saying that until midway through last year he was still sort of studying at the same time. So. They'll be, I mean, they'll be the big, they'll be a good test. I mean, be interesting to watch sort of that high class not seam attack against against him, especially if he's in early, because Glamorgan haven't historically found a particularly sort of solid opening stand. I mean, Andrew Salter is an off spinner who found himself over the batting rather than an opening batter who found himself taking seven for. So, it'd be interesting to see how he fares against against that attack. And you know, even without those big names that they didn't have against Sussex, you know, Luke Fletcher had a brilliant year last year and. He's a very good counter cricketer, and um, and I think um, Liam Patterson White's at five for didn't he as well. And Joey Everson, who's only twenty, I think twenty twenty one, got his, got his maiden tons. There's a lot of depth there. That's him before you get to the 
the you know the Slater, Hamid, Duckett, Clark sort of top four axis. So yeah, and obviously Steve Mullaney got 190. So um, I think it'll be difficult to beat them this season. Um, and it'd be, I think we all be, I think we'd all be quite surprised if they didn't go up. What about you then, Harmy? Durham against Leicestershire. Draw first out uh, for Durham. Marcus North now, it seems like he might be staying at the uh, the county if reports yesterday um, are to be believed. George, no doubt, will know a little bit more whether he's going to tell us or not. Durham against Leicestershire then. Where, how are you seeing that? Yeah, Leicester obviously <clears throat> mentioned before that, 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 that staying up with one or draw the game with one, one wicket left. Um, I fancy Durham. I think what Nick said about Knots, I think if there are teams going up, I think it'll be a shootout between Knots and Durham, especially if when they get cast back. I think that's a big, big boost for them. Durham look as though they've got up until that first Test match, they'll have a lot of runs. Beddingham, he's a he's an excellent player, Borthwick, established, you know, first class cricketer. Uh, Lee's with a, a, a Test match around the corner, wanting to get as many runs as he possibly can. His belt started well. I just see that there's only one winner there for me, and that that would be Durham. They would have won last week if it hadn't have been for the for for the weather delay. Um, and I think it'll be a, a straight shootout between Notts and Durham on on who goes up. The only thing that'll beat Durham this week is potentially the weather. But for once in the northeast, the the, the forecast's not too bad. It's going to be a little bit warmer. It's going to be less rain, so we should get four days in. If we get four days in, I think Durham will have too much for Leicestershire. Okay, guys, well, look, we're approaching the end of the show uh, and I hope that the listeners and viewers have enjoyed it so far. Uh, get your uh, get your questions to us. Our Twitter handles are all on screen. Um, but if you're listening on uh, TalkSport 2 or on following on podcast, uh, then uh, then drop us a line, cricket underscore TS, myself, uh, Fulham John, at Fulham John, or uh, get in contact uh, at the Cricketer Mag. We've all picked one player that we're going to be following the fortunes of this season. I will let uh, each of you briefly describe who it is, how they've got on so far, if they've played, and just why it is that you have chosen this player as your one to watch. Nick, I'll start with you. Who is your player to watch in 2022? Um, I've chosen Ed Pollock, who Harvey touched on earlier, actually. He conveniently started with a ton, which which is um, which makes this a bit easier. But no, I think he's one of the more interesting cricketers in the country for a few reasons. Um, made his last debut in 2017 for for Birmingham Bears and been picked up uh, through the sort of he was released by Warwick, released by Worcester as an 18 year old through, through the academy um, as an off spinner actually, and then got back in through the combination of MCCU club runs, twos runs, now national counties runs. I mean. A, I've got a lot of time for that. Um, you know, I think he told me recently that he spent one June. There was one June he reckons where he played 28, 28 days of cricket, just driving the length of the country to to get himself back in. Um, got himself back in weirdly through Red Bull runs, through scoring league runs, which is Red Bull cricket. Got a double time, I think, for Herefordshire. Um, got runs for Durham twos, where he was at university at Durham University. Um, you know, got a lot of Red Bull runs, and then came into Warwickshire, who obviously. You know, among others, I guess while he's been there, I've had, you know, Dom Sibley, Jonathan Trott, Ian Bell, Sam Hayden, a lot of guys get past some Red Bull cricket. And strangely, joined Worcester having never played a county Red Bull game. He played the odds MCCU game at, at Durham, but nothing but nothing in the Championship or the Bob Willis or anything. So, um, made his name, despite getting into the club through, through Red Bull runs, actually through his white ball stuff and developed this reputation very quickly as a sort of extremely cavalier, leg side, heavy left-hander. And, you know, as, as it goes, teams gradually work you out and start bowling wider off stump and stop bowling leg spin at you. And 
found the going a bit tougher in the last couple of years. And obviously, as Warwickshire and Birmingham Bears got stronger, he found the going a bit tougher and reached the end of his contract. And yeah, you know, he's taken the um, obviously moved moved home as it were, gone back to Worcester where he started. And uh, but with the genuine ambition of playing Red Bull stuff, and I've got um, and I was quite fascinated to see how that would go because I guess beyond Warwickshire twos, no one really knew what his Red Bull game looked like in the last few years. So to start with a ton of 113 balls, which is, you know, sounds pretty sort of appropriate for, you know, given the players being the last few years, was, um, yeah, I thought, um, at first I just thought good on him, to be honest. Um, and, you know, there was no malice on either side, I don't think, at his departure. And I think Warwickshire wrote a very, Paul Farbrace was very glowing in his sort of parting statement as well. I mean, there's, you know, I'm sure he could have looked for a white ball opportunity somewhere, but yeah, fair play. And I, you know, open the batting Red Bull cricket in April is not a particularly, you know, there aren't, guys aren't exactly sticking their hands up, are they? So um, to go and do that in his first game, albeit not in a win, no, I was just really pleased with him. I thought, um, and I'm fascinated to see how he'll go in Red Bull cricket as the season goes on, but but also as a white ball player, you know, probably as more rounded cricket as well, given that he's playing all the Red Bull stuff. So hope he goes well and quite intrigued to see how he, how he fares. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, my player is uh, is Dustin Melton from Derbyshire. I'm not sure how much he's going to play, but I, uh, I came across a fascinating article a few months ago in The Cricketer. Um, there was a video that accompanied it and really just gave an insight into a story I'd never even heard of before. Um, a guy that uh, has had a lot of troubles off the field. He's battled a lot of injury concerns, a lot of injury problems. And essentially, you know, he came to this country from Zimbabwe, I think, Nick, um, to try and make it as a first-class cricketer, and he got uh, a contract finally. Uh, what could have been the last time of asking? So uh, I'm really going to be fascinated to see um, if he plays, how he gets on, um, and how it works at, uh, at Derbyshire under, of course, everybody's favourite so, uh, coach, Mickey Arthur. Uh, what about you then, Harmy? as we uh, look to wrap up the show? Which player are you going to be keeping your eye on throughout uh, the going, season? I'm going bowler, obviously, um, and I'm going Durham. <laughs> Somebody, you know, the kids that I've, I've seen and know, I would have gone cast if he had been fit, but I'm not sure how how much cricket he's going to play throughout this season. So I'm going to go with a kid called Matthew Potts. He started the game against Glamorgan. He got 3-4-67 in the first game. I think there's a bit more to come from from Potts. He played with his Northern Superchargers last year in the, in the first 100. I think he can get a little bit quicker. Um, and I think he could be a bowler that, we could keep an eye on. I don't think he's expressed pace just yet. I think the more he bowls, the more first-class cricket he plays, the more body-hardened it gets. I actually think he bowls good lines, he's good length. He's a tall guy, um, and I think there is there's a lot of room for improvement. And I think if he improves and goes you know, through the early part of his career, I think he could get better and better. So he's one I want to watch and I keep an eye on this, this summer. Um, and playing at Durham, the wickets have got a little bit more in them for the seamers. Um, bowling alongside someone like Chris Rushworth, who is, you know, is you know, phenomenal when it comes to you know, holding lines, holding lengths and creating pressure. Potts, that little bit taller, that little bit quicker, might just benefit from the other end. So Matthew Potts is the one I'm going to watch for. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, we, uh, we promised you 45 minutes of, uh, of county cricket chat and we have delivered one hour and 15 minutes. So uh, good luck, uh, reducing that down to 42 minutes for uh, the TalkSport 2 show, uh, which will be airing throughout Thursday and Friday. The producer's name is Scott Taylor. I think it's uh, it's important that people get their, uh, their dues. He's going to earn his money today. That's for sure. Uh, you can also listen to it uh, on the following on podcast feeds. 
Um, so please join us there and across on uh, the Cricketers um, website uh, and media channels. And of course, last but not least, Steve Harmson's YouTube channel as well. Bowl fast, talk straight. That's the name of Harmy's YouTube channel. Uh, and we'll be back. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard or watched. Please subscribe, review um, and join us next week for uh, episode two of Following On County Cricketer. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmson, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. The Following On podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.